morning, everyone. Today, we, um, before we jump in, we've got, um, I want to mention one thing about our gospel, and we're going to come back to it, but at the end of the gospel, right, every, everybody gets this wrong. Today's readings are about challenging others and about fraternal correction. And we all get this wrong, right? This is one of, the, this is one of those blatant things that we all screw up. It happens all the time. People come to me all the time. Father Brian, this person's doing this. Go fix it. And I say, go read Matthew 18. Go talk to them. Right? And the steps go, if you have a problem with somebody, you go talk to them. If that doesn't work, you bring two or three others. If that doesn't work, you bring it to the church. And if that doesn't work, Jesus says you treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. And just one cool thing today is usually we take that to mean, you know, shake the dust off your feet, which it might mean that. But notice today when Jesus says treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector, we're in Matthew's gospel. Matthew was a tax collector. How does Jesus treat Gentiles and tax collectors? He pursues them and loves them to bring them into the church. I just think that's so cool. Okay, today we're going to talk about two virtues. We're going to talk about courage and humility and how today's readings necessitate that you and I possess those two virtues, courage and humility. And we're going to talk about those virtues. We're going to talk about two voices that I want to share with you that really inspire me to hopefully someday acquire those virtues. Those voices are St. John Chrysostom and then a Lutheran martyr named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We're talking about those two. My first day of uh, pads when I was a freshman in high school on the football team. It's one of the most terrifying days of my entire life. Um, you may have heard me tell the story. When I was a freshman in high school, um, I was a great athlete. I know you know. You would never doubt that. No, I was a decent athlete, but I had a good arm. My parents never let me play tackle football growing up. They only let me play flag. So our first day in pads, I didn't know how to put pads on. And we were in the locker room, and I was too embarrassed to tell anyone that I didn't know how to put on pads. Right? This is like all of your worst nightmares as a freshman in high school come true. Uh, it was just terrible. But anyway, I, I put on my pads wrong, went out to the football field, and I realized that they were on wrong because I had my shoulder pads all wonky. So I ran back in, and I actually figured it out. And then we get to, to the practice field. And I was terrified because the biggest thing when you enter into football, that if you haven't done it before, it's going to scare you, is if you've never been hit before, the anticipation is terrible. And I remember our first hitting drills. Right? And we had our, the two, guys, two lines, right? You have the gauntlet, the lines up, and then you line up on either side. And I was in the line, and there's a guy on the other side, you know, and the lines are going different ways, and the coach starts the hitting drills. He blows the whistles, and you have to run down that gauntlet, and you've got to hit the other guy. And 
I was about 100 pounds, and I had like four foot nothing, 100 nothing, and I was just terrified. And slowly you move down to the next spot, the next spot, and inside of me, the butterflies and just the nervousness were almost unbearable. And I remember it got to the, the worst point because when I lined up and I looked down at the other end of that gauntlet, and the other end was the biggest guy on the freshman football team. Right? And I was like, okay, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brother. Jesus, let me go to heaven, please. And what you find out if you've played football, if you've played tackle football, what you find out is that when you get hit, it's never as bad as you thought it was going to be. The anticipation building up to that first hitting drill when I was 14 was far worse. And when I actually got in there and I took that hit and I destroyed that guy. No, just kidding. <laughs> he really destroyed me. I was like, oh. But I realized that I could take a hit. And from then on out, I never feel, feared hitting drills again. I knew I could do it. There's two things I want to call us to today, and then really what the, the gospel and our first reading call us to. The first one is courage. This is not my strongest virtue. I have a lot of weakness in this area. And I don't know about you. Some of you might have, have a greater strength of courage. Courage, St. Thomas Aquinas says, courage is the willingness to suffer for what is good. Brothers and sisters, we need Christian men and women of courage today. Our first reading from Ezekiel 33 God calls Ezekiel and he says, you are a watchman for the house of Israel. Which means you're going to climb up on the wall, right? And your job is to warn people when something really bad is going to happen. And most of us don't like doing that. Ezekiel certainly didn't want to do that. All the prophets did this. Moses has the same job. God says, go and tell Pharaoh his sin." Did you hate it if God said that to you? If you heard God speak to you and said, Brian, right, go tell Father Sam down the road what a chump he is. I'd be like, can I have another, can I go build houses in Tijuana, Lord? <laughs> like, can I do anything else? We have to do this. So in Ezekiel 3, when God first says this to the prophet, he says, the house of Israel will not listen to you. For they are not willing to listen to me. Because all the house of Israel are of a hard forehead and of a stubborn heart. But God says today in, in Ezekiel 33, he says, Ezekiel, if they sin and you didn't tell them, I will hold you accountable. Brothers and sisters, the day you were baptized, the Catholic Church teaches the day you were baptized, you became to share in the ministry of Christ as priest, prophet, 
and king. When I anoint children at baptisms, there is a prayer every single time that brings them into the ministry of Christ as priest, prophet, and king. You are a prophet. It's not easy to be a prophet, and part of your job is to warn the world when it's doing really bad things. And so today, you and I have to do that. And so my first call to you today is that we need to tell the world it's sin. The biggest problem in our culture is abortion. I got an angry email last week. It was only one, but someone emailed me angrily saying, how dare you talk about voting and abortion? Brothers and sisters, to this day in our country alone, we still kill almost one million innocent children every single year. Every single year, there is no more important issue in our culture than abortion. When you die, God will ask you what you did to stop the slaughter of innocent children that everyone ignores in our culture. And we all know why we do it. We do it because we want sex without consequences. That's why we do it. And shame on us if we do not speak to the world. And I want to read to you St. John Chrysostom. His feast day is coming up. We're so weak, and this is, and I just want to say this, I'm probably the weakest person here on this. We need a little courage. you got to get in the gauntlet. you got to take a hit. And when you take a hit, you'll realize it wasn't as bad as you thought. Every priest is terrified the first time he gives a controversial homily. And the first time I preached that marriage is only between one man and one woman, and that's not a religious doctrine, that's plainly obvious, it is written into creation, I was terrified. I got a bunch of angry emails. And I was like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. St. John Chrysostom was exiled twice. He was the Archbishop of Constantinople. The emperor exiled him twice from his city. He died in exile. St. John Chrysostom says this. He says, he's talking about us being on a boat. And he says, let the sea rage. It cannot break the rock. Let the waves rise. They cannot sink the boat of Jesus. What are we to fear? Death? Life to me means Christ and death is gain. Am I to fear exile? The earth and its fullness belongs to the Lord. The confiscation of our goods... We brought nothing into the world, and we shall surely take nothing from it. And listen, I love St. John Christum. He is an embodiment of courage. You can go online. This is the reading for his feast day, which is September 13th. Look this up. It's so powerful. He says, I have only contempt for the world's threats. Archbishop Schaap used to say that his, that he would be fine in his lifetime, but that his successor would go to prison, and that the third successor would be martyred. And I don't know if he's right or not, but it was so inspiring. And Archbishop said, let it come. If I have Christ, what have I to fear? I have only contempt for the world's threats. I find its blessings laughable. 
I have no fear of poverty, no desire for wealth. I am not afraid of death, nor do I long to live except for your good. We've got to get in the gauntlet. We've got to take that first hit. Brothers and sisters, we need people to speak out today that the family is the foundation of all human good in our society. And there are all kinds of people tearing down the family in the name of rights that are invented and made up. And we've got to get in the gauntlet and say, every sociological study ever on the subject says that the family is the root of good in our culture. And you and I stand for that. So we pray for courage. The second point is this, and this is the more important point today. Jesus in the gospel today talks about correction. And I want to be brief with this, but I want to challenge you on this. I want to flip this on its head. We get so nervous telling people in the church that they're wrong about something. I am the worst at this, right? If I'm like, if I go home and I'm like, hey, Father Mike, you've left your dishes in the sink for 16 straight months. And it took me four months to build up my courage to ask you to please do your dishes, right? I am like this, but I want to flip it on its head. The biggest problem around this is that you and I do not allow other people to confront us. When I was in the seminary, I remember there was a deacon, and he came, he, I was like one of the MCs, like Donald, and this deacon came up to me one day, and he said, Brian, I want to be a better deacon. What am I doing wrong? Do you notice anything that I could do better? It was wonderful. You and I, Jesus gave us each other to love each other, and if you and I are unapproachable, we have to live in fear. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this great book called Our Life Together. And he says this. He says, you can hide nothing from God. The mask you wear before men will do you no good before him. Right? You and I come to, I mean, it's ironic now with our masks, but we wear masks that hide our sin. When you let go of that mask, when you stop hiding the fact that you're a sinner, when you actually say, I want my brothers and sisters to love me enough to tell me when I'm sinning, you will find freedom. Because you find out is that you were never supposed to pretend you had no sin. So Bonhoeffer says this, he says, you do not have to go on lying to yourself and your brothers as if you were without sin. You can dare to be a sinner and thank God for that. He loves sinners and hates the sin. And here's the last thing I want to leave you with. Fraternal correction. What Satan wants to do to every single one of us is he wants you to be alone in your sin. He wants you to be alone in your sin. And he wants you to fear what people would think about you so that you don't have your brothers and sisters to love you and support you in fighting your sin.
is diabolical. Jesus today tells us that we need to correct each other so that we can love each other. So that this is just such a beautiful quote. We'll, we'll go slowly here. Bonhoeffer says, Sin demands to have a man by himself. Are you living in a lie? Bet you are. I know that I am. I'm scared of people seeing my sin. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will the power of sin be over him. The more isolated you are, the more powerful your sin will be over you. Jesus' teaching today for us in the church brings us to the light. And it says, wow, you know what? Lords, everyone's perfect. Everyone's beautiful. Everyone has 6.7 children, right? And their children are perfect. And they know every single Catholic prayer and they go to confession once a week. And probably most of us are terrified that if people knew who we really were, no one would love us. And so we live in our sin. And we live alone our sin. I want to leave you today, brothers and sisters, you should have close people in your life that you confess your sins to. We believe in sacramental confession in the confessional, and that's amazing. Christ forgives our sins there. In James 5, James tells us we should confess our sins to each other. Because if you don't, you live in darkness and you live in isolation. And when you bring your sins to your brothers and sisters, and you admit and you say, my sister, I have pride in my heart. I have judgment. I have lust. I have greed. I have envy. What happens is that all of us begin to realize that we're not alone. And I can stop pretending. I can stop believing a lie. I can stop pretending I'm not a sinner. Jesus, today, Lord, give us courage to face the culture, to know that with you, we are strong. But Lord, even more than that, I pray for our church here, Lord. Jesus, may we live in the light. May our sin be brought out from darkness to light that it may be made white. May we live with our brothers and sisters. May the church be strong. Jesus, may we have accountability and may we be a place of mercy.